0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Conversations with Victor and Andrea.
1: Episode three, and you've already developed a podcast voice. <laughs> <laughs> do you like that?
0: Hello, everyone.
1: Does your okay, my mom is notorious for when she answers the phone, like, you know, remember when you're little and they're like yelling at you, and then she's like, hello. Hello,
0: yeah. You're like, where did that sweet voice come from? <laughs> where did from? that
1: come from? I do
0: that when I call the station, you know, they answer in the newsroom. and I'm, Hi, is such and such there? And people are always like, uh, "Yes, random listener," and Mike I have to tell up them, "No."
1: Multiple octaves. And I just I'm go, like, "Hi, hey guys,
0: it's Victor." And then they finally, "Oh, okay, yeah," and they don't care as much. Yeah. So today we're talking to Dick Gabriel. <laughs> you just stopped and looked at me like,
1: "Yeah, <laughs> we, right, we are." All right, we can edit that part out. Yeah. No, no, no,
0: we're gonna leave that in. That no, we're pause.
1: not. I wasn't ready. I didn't know where you were going. We're still well, working out the kinks of this podcast. Yeah.
0: I mean, we can talk more about what we've been up to, but um, nah. uh, today's the first. If you're Listening in real time. Uh, today's the first day our first episode went out, so it's been interesting watching the. It's
1: been really cool. We have a few clicks, mostly our own. So I, we're I hoping believe it's to basically
0: just me refreshing the page over and over.
1: Widen the audience. So if you listen to this, please share it with your friends. We would certainly appreciate that. And I will say that this episode is going to be one I think people are going to enjoy.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting because it's one. It's not just us, and two, it's it's someone who. You've heard from for years. You hear him tell other people's stories, but now you know, kind of hearing him talk about how he got into the business is pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah, Mr. Dick Gabriel.
0: And just the number of jobs that he has.
1: Still, to this day, he is a jack of all trades, which many of us are. You kind of have to be to make yourself marketable in this business, but he really does do it all, and it's not just sports. I think that's one thing people don't realize. He produces news. Yeah. He's really good the, at it. The 10
0: o'clock show you watch every day, Dick is the one producing that. Yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting... I, I expect he will be 95. You know, trying to get down to the sidelines to uh, to talk about the UK I guarantee games because he, he will. I don't see him ever stopping. I think he's one of those people that you know work. He just loves it and it mm-hmm. drives him. So yeah, so uh, take a listen. And a, a lot listen. of
1: it, uh, yeah. Apparently, most of the things that have happened to him have happened by accident.
0: <laughs> Happy accidents, which I feel like is <laughs> a lot of us kind of. You know, how did yeah. you get here? Well, you know, one thing.
1: Such is life.
0: Yeah. So uh, here you go. I hope you all enjoy this conversation, and um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk to you when we're done. Hello everyone, we are here with Dick Gabriel, I'm Victor.
1: And I'm Andrea, great to have you guys back with us on the podcast. So again, we're going to continue to learn more about the people who bring you the news, and in this case, it's a guy that brings you sports and the news. Mm-hmm. A man of many talents, Mr. Dick Gabriel.
0: Hi guys. Hi. <laughs> so, how did you get started in the business?
2: Well, in this business, in television, and in, in broadcasting, it was quite by accident in journalism it was because of my dad who actually died when i was 8 years old but in learning more about him my mother at some point told me that he wanted to be a sports writer and i think i was in 8th grade and i was i found out i enjoyed creative writing and when she talked about that she said yeah you know cuz you get to get in, get in the games for free True. you know and the, and the one thing i remembered about him <laughs> he was tough. he was a big sports fan Yeah. And I love sports, you know, and, and I'm still waiting to get a call from the St. Louis Cardinals to play third base. I've almost given up, right.
1: but almost. anyhow, I'm, that's uh,
2: like my WWE championship reign. It's coming. <laughs> you too. So I got to thinking about that. Yeah, it sounds pretty good, you know. Sports writing, sports writing. You know, he went on to be a very successful. Mechanical engineer. He was a real whiz. None of us were in the family. None of us had the math skills or whatever. Don't you want to be an engineer like your father? Nope. You know. <laughs> but I did enjoy the notion of being. So I pursued that, and I went to college with that thought at U.K. Of, of of being a sports writer. My dream job was being a columnist for the Career Journal, and I was I wrote for the Colonel. Uh, but I accidentally got into radio, and I was sitting. Next to the station manager at the press table at UK Games, and they used to broadcast the game. Well, they actually taped the games with some kid who was an announcer, but he wasn't really very good, and they didn't put him on the air. They just taped him. Well, he got mad and he quit. And so one day I'm sitting next to the station manager, and he's just sitting there, no equipment, no announcer. I said, You're not doing the game? He said, No, I lost my announcer. And, and, and I wasn't even looking at him. I was watching the game, and I just kind of muttered, you know, I've always wanted to try something like that. Call me! You know, so I auditioned, and I got the job, and I broadcast games for three years for the campus radio station. And when I got out of school, newspaper jobs were beginning to dry up thanks to the onslaught glut. Uh, of kids who wanted to be Woodward and Bernstein. I trust you know who those people are. <laughs> yes. Uh, you'd be amazed at how many people don't I who wouldn't. are in journalism. <laughs> yeah, that's but tough. anyhow, uh, so the best job offer I got was from WVLK Radio right here in Lexington, and it was mostly sports, a little bit of news, and all kinds of stuff. I ended up doing ball games and a talk show and all that stuff and did that for almost five years, and I really enjoyed it. And then uh, long story short – Uh, There came an opening here at KYT for the sports manager job. And Ralph Gabbard, our late, great station manager, he and I were friends. And he liked my work and liked me, and so he offered me the job. And I've been here except for five years I left for IMG ever since, dating back to 1985. Probably more than you wanted to hear.
0: No, that's a great story. What a lot of people don't realize, too, is just, just how much you do here. Because in addition to the sports stuff, you also produce one of the shows. Yeah, I How produce the, the 10
2: a.m. news because we're spread pretty thin here, as you all well know. You
1: have to be a jack-of-all-trades. Yeah,
2: so, uh, you know, and it's probably the least uh, labor-intensive newscast of all of them. It's only a 30-minute show. But, you know, at local TV is going more and more, as you guys know, to uh, almost wall-to-wall news. And it just seems like people can't get enough of it. So, you well, know. Here we are. There's more yeah.
0: news and less people doing it. Exactly. <laughs> So there's
2: a lot of repetition but you know there's a lot of repetition on the cable news channels and things that's like true. that so but that's a challenge is to you know make it look new sound new <clears throat> excuse me um I don't think I've ever written for you Victor I've written for Andrea and I don't know if you've noticed but I try to I change them up a little bit.
1: Absolutely <laughs> noticed, And I love anchoring yeah. your shows. I yeah. really do. And I've told you that. That's not just for the podcast. That's true. Now, one thing I find interesting is that you were just in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I want to go back to that. Yeah. So was there a learning curve, or were you just oh. were you good? <laughs>
2: uh, uh, yes and no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, well, like all of us, you go back and look and listen You're to like, the first <laughs> broadcast. Yeah, you or... know, and you cringe, yeah. you know. And I, I find old packages I did here. And that's the other thing. When Ralph Gabbard hired me, I said, Buddy, I've only done play-by-play on television. I've never done anything else. I put a couple of pieces together during an internship in college at WHAS. And he goes, well, we can teach you that. And he was right. You know, I tell I tell young people, I say, look, you can train a chimp to work this equipment. It's can you do it well, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, you know. And, and it all starts with the writing. You can't train a chimp to do that, but uh, you can train them to type, you know. <laughs> but anyhow, um, yeah, there was a great learning curve, but... I was really fortunate because my first job in commercial radio at VOK, I was doing morning drive, two hits an hour for four hours, and i come split shift, come back in the afternoon to a five-minute sports, sports show, and I, and I was talking to the guy who was the engineer for the UK radio network. He said, oh, you're the new sports director. You know, you, you could actually, you, you've got something. You could be, I'm like, what? He goes, if you, if you were just a little more, uh, What? He said, well, "Bring me scripts and tapes." And he admitted to me he had a big ego and he liked to help people. And so I brought him air checks and folks, what those are samples of your work <laughs> and scripts. He, he specifically asked for scripts. And buddy, he tore me to shreds. I mean, he would listen to a soundbite. Why'd you do this? Why don't you edit it this way? Why don't you cut it here? Uh, why did you write this? What you do? And well, I had only written for print. I had never written for broadcast, and you know the difference. And so. He just—I mean, when I, when he was done, I could have walked under his door out. I'm <laughs> like, I so am little. so <laughs> hopeless. Yeah, so much to learn. but he told me come back in a month, and I did. And he's like, I have never heard more improvement. Wow. Well, I said, well, Rick, I could go nowhere else but up. You know.
1: <laughs> you told me how awful I was, yeah. but I bet you loved that. Guy. I did.
2: Oh my God. And 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 what it did was it taught me to listen. Mm-hmm. For the the mistakes and all that stuff, and, and you know it is in our line of work. Most people don't like watching themselves, but you have to.
1: You have to. There's you also a the big w-
0: difference between someone telling you what you're doing wrong and you going, "All right, thanks," or you going, "All right, thanks," using that, yes, and improving. And then when yeah. somebody sees that, they're much more likely to continue to want to. You got to check you your ego. Because yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's yeah.
2: You know, and and I knew. I mean, it was easy for me because I'm like, what do I know? <laughs> Nothing. But the one thing I knew <laughs> though. And, and this is what I did when I got here as well. I knew that I wasn't very good because I would listen to the network people. And I remember when I first got started here, like, why do my packages stink? Why do my store, you know? So I would watch. Actually, I was in sports. I ran the sports department here for 22 years. But I would stand in front of the monitor at 630, and I'd watch the CBS evening news, and I'd listen. And, and there were times I would, you know, take notes on them. And I remember one one package I saw, that ran about a minute fifteen it had seven sound bites, and they weren't disjointed. It was beautifully done, wow. and I thought, okay, yes, it did flow. I said, okay, all right, now I'm starting to get it. There's a story you know. there. Yeah, yeah you know, and it's the writing, it's the editing, and all that stuff. And I love that process. That's the thing. You know, a lot of people see that as a chore. That's what I really enjoy. That's why I don't mind. I, I like writing for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. Uh, Uh, You know, and like I've done a bunch of documentaries and somebody asked me the other day about, oh, that must be a rust. No, I I love that. You know, diving into the edit bay, you know, that's the but that's that's a big step.
1: Was brevity hard for you since you came from writing where you have more time? See, that's what I struggle with. I I can talk all day long. (laughs) No, not you. No, Stop. But I bet, especially coming from print, where you yeah. have time to expand on things yep. and really get into things,
2: it, it was really hard. And then you know, the more I did it, the more I got fairly, you know, good at it. And then I sampled long form. I started doing specials and documentaries. That's where it bites you. So
0: you once know, you get that taste of oh, exactly. that time and just being able to tell a story yep. like that. Yep, yep. Talk which, about which,
1: those documentaries because you've done some really great
2: yeah, ones. Yeah, we we've done some good ones here. I mean, the top of the, the chart was the Adolph Rupp documentary we did in 05, which was two hours long, no commercial breaks. And I had already, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I dump everything in and it's just cutting out, you Same know, that kind of with, stuff. Yeah. Well, after about the third version of that, it was starting to take shape. And I went up to our sales manager and I said, okay, how much commercial time do you need? How many minutes? How much this is my final edit. I need to just start hacking and shopping. Mm-hmm. And he said, Don't cut anything. I said, Excuse me. Yeah. And he said, Let me see if I can sell it to a title sponsor so we don't need commercial One nice. person pay
0: for the So I heard the angels thing. singing, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know.
2: And so it worked out. I mean what they ended up but what was interesting was it was such a touchy subject. Oh, Rup, yeah. racism, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff nobody wanted to touch it they went to all the usual suspects in terms of the uh, the sponsors nobody it's about what now I'm good no thanks you know right well so what they did was they passed the hat and it was friends family former players uh, they all chipped in they had a figure they needed to reach and they did and so it only took them a day and a half or so to come up with that and so I ended up polishing it, but I didn't have to. But ultimately, though, if it's a one-hour documentary, you know you've got about forty-four minutes, yeah. and that's
0: usually what they are. Oh, and, that just sounds crazy, though—just two hours of uninterrupted. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: But when it's a good subject, it feels like nothing when you're putting it together, yeah. and you fall in love with every part. You're I like, wish I I'd, it. I know, and I
2: wish I'd kept count of how many times I watched it start to finish, because I felt like I had to, you know, to had the get it. Yeah. I had to get the feel for the flow and. You know, it couldn't, you know, maybe one segment here and there, but every now and then I just watch the whole thing, you know, and take notes and chop and stuff like that. But, you know, the last two we did, I worked with, with Cameron Mills on documentaries about the U.K. national championship teams in the 90s, and we are going to do one on Calipari's. But, um, you know, you're talking about interviews with 10, 12, 13 people. Trying to make sure they're all represented Try and to all to that stuff. Highlight each person, give each
0: person their moment. Exactly. And, yeah, that's a lot yeah. of
2: work. Yeah, but it was fun. You know, it's a lot of fun. And we, you know, we can have a little director's cut that we made available on the DVD. <laughs> but you know, but uh, it's, a, it's a good process. So let's talk about
0: right now. How many different jobs do you have? Well,
2: including this one. Yeah, <laughs> including the podcast. <laughs> 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 yes, including this podcast. This one-time appearance. Well, my day is this. I, I get in here about 6, 6.30. I produce the 10 a.m. news. That takes me up until 10.30, of course, and then I start working on whatever projects. I'm essentially the special projects guy. So once I, once I leave you guys, I will go and start working on Actually, I have three in the air right now. We've got a, a recruiting, football recruiting special that's going to air on the 19th of December. That's the new National Letter of Intent Day. We've got a special that's going to air on Christmas, a one-hour year-ender. Kind of thing, uh, best sports stories of the year, and then a bowl game special, which you know I'm starting to plot and plan right now. But we really don't know because we don't know where they're going. But you know we've got a general idea what we'll do there. So um, yeah, and I had I think I had three in the year in November as well. So but that, you know I and like you still that, do so. radio stuff. And then at night, yeah, I'm gonna say let's. <laughs> well, I go stop. home for a little while, take okay. a nap, and then I go and. Uh, do a radio show from 6 to 8 on WLAP. And then, for instance, tonight I don't have a show, but there's a ball game tonight. I was going to say so that'll, Yeah, that'll stretch into the evening. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, that's the fun stuff. So when do you sleep? Uh, well, like I said, i become really good at taking naps in the afternoon. And my wife's a champion napper, so she was very proud of me when I started doing that.
1: <laughs> taught, taught you everything you know. Yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit – I mean, I think – One thing people don't know about us is what we do outside of work. Like, Mm -hmm. we've seen you. We know you for your sports coverage. But what do you do for fun? You fascinate me because you've told me stories about martial arts. Mm -hmm. You're very big into that. So kind of talk about that. I I find that fascinating. Well,
2: again, accidental. Um, I was sitting in the – Everything's
1: an accident with you, Dick. It is. I know. If I plan anything, I fail. Yeah. Um,
2: I'm sitting in the newspaper office my senior year, and it was like first week of the year. And Sintai walks in, he's uh, was known as being a karate teacher on campus and I think he recognized me from a column I wrote with my picture on it, which was a terrible photo. Anytime anybody recognized me, I'm like, Really? That? You're
1: like, Oh please yeah. say no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that.
2: But he said, I'll teach you for free if you'll write about it. Wow. And I said, Oh, that's, that's a good an opportunity column. Right there, yeah. That's awesome. a good series or something. So I did and I wrote a series of articles about about him and um uh, and I thought, well, you know, I'll do this for a little while. And when I started doing it, I'm like, man, this is hard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this know? is work. Yeah.
2: yeah, you know, why are my legs so sore? But Did you have I, little
1: kids running circles around you or anything like no, that? No, <laughs> there weren't. No, I took, I
2: took the initial classes were on campus, so it was mostly okay. students. Yeah. Um, so I kept bugging him to sit down for the interview. You know how that goes, you know. Oh, gosh. Well, he kept putting me off and putting me off, you know, and it, it's not like he had planned it that way. He was just pulled in every direction. But when I finally sat down with him, I think I was a brown belt, and I was hooked.
1: Yeah. It was you over know, by yeah, I yeah. was
2: hooked, you know, because I remember watching this one move. Uh, it was, for those of you scoring at home, shortcut of number 30, and I'm like, oh, I can't do that, so I'll never be a black belt. There's no way I can do that. You know, well, I learned how to do that. It's pretty simple, and I've taught people to do it, you know, that kind of stuff. So I just stayed with it. And here's the thing. The more you're in it, the more you realize how little you know. And so you want to learn a little bit more. Plus, some of my closest friends have come from that. that One of my dearest friends is a fellow black belt, and he teaches a great deal. And when we first met, we kind of sized each other up. I'm like, I know you. I I know you. I've seen you. Turns out, he was a journalism major at UK. We overlapped by a couple of years. uh, But he was in the advertising sequence. And so... We would pass each other in the stairwell, in the hallway, stuff all like that, time. all the time. And the more we talked, the more we realized that's where it was. And coincidentally enough, he grew up about a mile away from me in Louisville. Never knew him in Louisville. Oh my god! Different high school, but yeah. So fate. We've been yeah, we've just been really close friends ever since. And uh, you know, he was part of the group that went to China in 1994. We were roommates on the road and all that stuff. So yeah, so that's that's you know, it, I'm not. As active in it as I used to be, um, or probably as you want to be. Yeah, you know, but it's still fun, and it's still a nice way. It's an interesting way to work out.
1: Now, I was telling Victor the coolest story, maybe of anyone. Yeah, this. (laughs) to story. This this one. Yeah, this is the coolest thing about you, and I don't even remember if you're the one that told me, but you had to go through a procedure. I don't know if it was really a surgery. What What kind of procedure was it? Where you didn't you didn't have any anesthesia? Oh
2: yeah, that's I've done that a couple times.
1: He says it like it's no big deal.
0: deal. You know, they cut me open, they put their hands in something.
2: No, no, no. There was no cutting open. There (laughs) was two things. But you had to work, right?
1: Yeah, well, yeah.
2: All right. The first one was uh, an MRI, and it wasn't an open MRI. It was when they slide in the tube, and I looked at that and I thought, I'm a little claustrophobic, and I didn't know it until then. You know, I'd never been comfortable with the thought of being buried alive, but you know, people are. (laughs) Yeah, you know. So anyhow, (laughs) um, it was a knee injury and uh, from karate. And they slide me in, and they said, are you okay? They hit the little speaker, and I said, yeah, you know, Mr. Tough Guy. And then like five seconds, and then I'm like, mm-hmm, you know. And sure about okay. five seconds later, are you sure? No. <laughs> and they came running in and pulled me out, and they said, you know, we noticed your body change, like, right away. We do this all day, every day. So they were going to drug me, and my neighbor had had one. He told me they had to drug him, so I knew that was a possibility. But I didn't like the thought of that, so I said, give me a minute and my now teacher sinte's brother Shuungte has actually been my teacher for most of my 40 years and he is really big into the breathing and meditation <clears throat> you know and so I said let me let me give something a try and when I nod go ahead and put me in there and so I kind of did and it's, it's just basically it's almost like a light trance and they slid me in there and and it you know like about 45 minutes later they pulled me out and I was cognizant of it all for about the last five to to eight minutes and then the other one was uh, they needed to go into my go down my throat you know the GI tract with the fiber optics they were checking my stomach for you know cancer or whatever and thankfully negative but um, they said uh, I said am I going to need anesthesia because that night we had a UK basketball game we were televising back when KYT still televised games and I said uh, I can't I, you know, I've got to you work can't do that. that on, yeah, yeah, you know, and because if they give you anesthesia, you're done for the day. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't completely knocking you out, you and legally, legally, you could. I couldn't, drive, I couldn't drive. You know, so they said, "No, you just, you know, you just have to sign some forms." And so when I got in there, they started to give it to me, and I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" You know, and you know, left hand hadn't talked to the right hand, so now I've got three or four people running in circles. But they finally got the right paperwork. I signed it. Did the same thing. Doctor goes in. He's checking me out. And at one point, he said, "I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it." You <laughs> oh know? my
1: god! Yeah.
2: So, but it just relaxes you. You know, I wouldn't do I wouldn't do knee surgery
0: with it or anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> she made right. It sound like They were cutting you open, and you were like, "No." Um, I
1: think that I might have romanticized the story in my own head. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's still pretty
0: impressive. You think about it's somebody awesome. going down your throat and being able to Not just
1: calm situation. yourself. Not so a Yeah. To, you know, it's just to a go through that
0: thing.
2: But it's also you can apply it to you know a lot of stuff. You know, when you're when you're sports or you know running or whatever yeah, and um, breathing techniques yeah you know and when i had uh they checked my heart uh, i was having a routine physical and one of the things they do is see how long it takes your heart rate to drop back down to normal well i can make it drop like a stone although i remember i think it was the first physical I ever had i did that and they were marveling at like man you're and you know well come to find out they found Something in the e k g that turned out to be two massive blockages,
1: oh my God yeah,
2: so i had a i 've got two stents on board now, wow. which they would not have found if not for that physical now, no, I did not use the technique <laughs> <laughs> I, I had the drugs <laughs> yes but uh but I was really fortunate that they found it barbara Bailey's brother was my doctor he 's a time, doctor, yeah, and he spotted he's
1: a doctor for a lot of people i know,
2: here. but he spotted the uh And I bring that up because folks, get yourself checked. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he spotted it. He kept showing me the EKG, you know, like the graph paper and this little until he's able to read it into you. Yeah. And I'm like, huh? Okay. That's yeah. That's yeah. Exactly. Am I supposed to know this? You know. But then they showed it to the cardiologist. I got a phone call, and one of my favorite stories though attached to that was I had and I told Clark's a big football fan, and I said, look, this coming Sunday, it was Sunday, not Saturday is the Kentucky-Louisville football game. And you know what I do, right? I work the sidelines for the U.K. radio network. And he said, oh, yeah. I said, will I be able to work that game? He said, yes. And sure enough, I could, but I had a gunshot wound bandage on my leg. They went through my femoral arteries. I had a little bit of a limp. So I'm coming off the field after the coin flip, and this was in 08. And here comes Rich Brooks walking out onto the field. And I thought, well, he's coming out to talk to the referee or one of his captains. So I kind of veer off to the right. Well, he veers off.
1: like, what you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs>
2: and he makes hey, eye contact with me. I'm like, he's coming out to talk to me. And he walks out, and he grabs my arm and leans in and says, are you okay? Someone had told him.
1: Oh, and wow. I and said,
2: I said, yes, sir. And he grabbed me and looked in even closer. He goes, are you okay? I said, yes, sir, I am. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that.
0: That and is then, really nice. So it is. is. You all develop relationships the people I mean you 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 interact with these people so often there's it's somehow he found out
2: but somehow he found I mean I knew that the athletic department knew because I was working at IMG at the time and somebody must have brought it up at a staff meeting but he's that kind of guy and then about a month later we're in the airport getting ready to get on the team plane some to go somewhere and his wife walked up and said now how are you that kind of stuff so you know you appreciate moments like that
1: that's really nice yeah that's yeah cool. that makes I think I'll always like him from now on. <laughs> yeah. You well, know what I mean when someone that, tells yeah. you a story like that you're like that's they a good went guy. Out of right their there. Way yeah. To, yeah. But to it also them.
2: you asked me about other things I do and that's one of them. And then the other thing is when you just grabbed me I was uh looking up notes for uh
1: not physically, by the way. True. The, uh, cause, cause <laughs> I I'd, politely That's requested. That's how you people president. to do the podcast. I go, <laughs> hey, I'd go right it.
0: to HR over that. <laughs> um, we have HR. <laughs>
2: <That's> <laughs> the uh, I do I do a lot of stuff for the SEC network. So I was getting ready. I'm doing the volleyball at the, the NSA volleyball this weekend, and I also do baseball games. So you know, it keeps you busy. Did you
1: play anything? Well,
2: not at a high level. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Love sports,
2: yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, but I, I mean, I love baseball, and, and I tried to walk on to the UK baseball team. I made the first cut,
1: but that's I'm, impressive to me. Yeah. Well,
2: but I think it's more because he didn't see me, <laughs> You he just did. snuck by, you, <laughs>
1: snuck, you didn't stick out
0: for any bad reasons, yeah, so exactly.
2: Right? And then it's funny, uh, the next day the coach said, Oh, by the way, is anybody here getting financial aid? Well, I had applied. Do we have any money?
1: I was gonna say you have. A, we're all single yeah. parents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I raised my
2: hand, and they said, "You can't. We can't keep you." We're all like, "What?" Well, the NCAA rule at the time was, if you get any financial aid other than athletic, you're not allowed to play. You know, like, and you know, I'm so not even if be you're be a, a walk-on. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, wow. so we all got and left.
1: It's another you know. NCAA Well, well come to find, to come, well, it's right? since
2: changed, it yeah. since changed. But it what's really funny, there were about a hundred of us, and about thirty or forty of us had to leave. Well, by dumb luck, many, many years later, I'm, I'm having a conversation with a Lexington High School baseball coach. You go to UK, yeah, when did you, you? know, I was there when you were there. What year? He was in that walk-on group. He was the only guy to make it. Really? Wow. And he hated it. Really? He said he went through all the workouts, winter, summer, spring. But never got to play. Never played an inning. Never got an at-bat. Well, only not- guy to make it. So I'm like, man, that guy did me a favor. Yeah, yeah. seriously, It
1: kind of worked <laughs> wow. out. Yeah. So I would ask you about, I guess, your greatest accomplishment in news, but I would say your family's probably your greatest. Oh accomplishment. yeah, of
2: course. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my kids are wonderful. They're uh, my daughter is a special education teacher, teaches special needs kids at Paris Middle. Kate, and my son's a Kentucky State Trooper, and it's funny because before you all got here. You know, and I'm divorced, you know, amicably, but, and often had custody of the kids. And I'd have, you know, this business that I, kids, i got to go to the office yeah. for a little while. Well, they were, they loved it because at my house and, and at their mother's house, there was one computer. So you know what that means. And here, there were several. So <laughs> we're they loved it. They would ask me <laughs> if they could come to the station because they each had their own computer to work on, you know, and play games and all. Well, my son eventually started drifting up to the assignment desk and uh at the time I don't think we had a regular nighttime assignment editor. He would sit there and take notes on the scanner and walk up to producers and say, You got a ten forty six on New Circle Road. Thanks, kid. How old was he? Oh, he was probably ten, eleven, oh twelve. God. Yeah. That's I wish funny. he was still here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <that's> sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah, but uh but no, they're they're good people. They really are. And we just had a grandbaby. My son had a and his wife had a grandbaby. He was part of
0: the, the, the photo of all the troopers there, right?
2: Yes, yes, he was one of them. And she, my granddaughter, was the youngest, aged Aww. six months to eight days. And Cecilia at the time was eight, eight days old. Days. Eight wow. days. old. And if you look at the group of the babies, she is by far the smallest. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 She's very tiny. So, yeah. now they're good people. They're good folks. But it's funny because Jack played football at Henry Clay and, you know, was a backup. But he played a little bit here and there. And people always assumed he'd want to follow my footsteps. He did the in-house, uh, you know, closed-circuit TV announcements on camera at middle school and things like that. And he would grip for me and, and work with me. I, was the, uh, I worked with the SEC radio network for 15 years, and he was my runner, basically. I would take him with me to the SEC football and basketball championships and as a bribe, as a reward for good grades, and it worked. Uh, and people just assumed, and you're gonna be like your dad. De- nope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he always knew he wanted to be a cop. Yeah. And he wanted wow. Metro second shift in his cruiser on New Circle Road. But his second semester of his senior year at EKU, he drank the the Grey Kool Aid, and the state police got him. And he loves it now. He's a canine. You know, he's special investigations, and he's taken a scary amount of drugs and money off the street. It
0: it attracts a similar type because I was a police administration major for a year and a half. Yeah, so I went through yeah. a lot of that. And so, yeah, it's, it's you know, kind of where the action is. It's a life. Obviously it's a different, that's, and that's, that's the other thing yeah. it has in common. It's like art. That, that j- is your life, yeah. Yeah, it's
2: a lot more dangerous, but it's a life. It's not yeah. just a job. And then Kate, when I asked her, you know, what, what is it, you know, she wanted to be a teacher and wanted to teach special education. And I was like, now where's this coming from? Well, when she was a senior in high school, she developed epilepsy. Juvenile epilepsy. And so that kind of gave her an awareness of special needs kids. And she began to help. And I think she already was doing that a little bit, the teachers at Henry Clay with the special needs kids. So that planted the seed with her. Now, she loved working, and she still does work TV broadcasts. Yeah. When, when, When Jack was maybe eighth or ninth grade, think that was my phone isn't it let me we'll silence that yeah how unprofessional as long as it wasn't us <laughs> yeah. then I would feel bad I know you're <laughs> the um,
1: guest it's okay
2: our former longtime uh operations vice president Mike Cantorak also produced the football and basketball games and his stepson would bring his friends and they would pull cable which we call grips mm-hmm. well when he moved on to college Mike turned to me and said do you know anybody I said well my son is a getting into high school so Jack did that for four years and he got his buddies to pull cable and things like that well then he moved on I said you're going to keep pulling cable once you go off to EKU dad I got a life (laughs) so (laughs) so I turned to my daughter
1: you don't have a life (laughs) come on down
2: well you know she was interested and so um but she was nervous she was nervous. That and me. It was funny. I mean, pulling cable. That's just, well, it's know. so neat
0: the access, though, being in the middle of it all. Exactly. Kind
2: of well,
1: I promise you, I would find a way to mess it up. Well, but You'd here's say it's the easy.
0: It's so funny,
2: though, because it was the first, they were actually playing Western Kentucky in the in, uh, Commonwealth. And she came running up to me halfway through and said, Dad, I'm going to do this for every game. <laughs> oh, I said, God. Well, we don't actually do every game. But, you know, so the funny thing about that was she quickly realized pulling cable is not where she wanted to be. She wanted to be you know, doing more so she doesn't have to do this grunt job. So now she puts herself in charge of lights. So now she can tell people what to do and, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And, and fast forward, she is now in somebody's Rolodex, and, and oftentimes if ESPN's in town of the SEC network, she's either a booth coordinator for baseball. Uh, don't think she does anything for football, but she is oftentimes – the uh what we call the assistant director of basketball, she gives the cue cards and communicates with the talent. You know, Dick Vitale wants to spill a coke on her. I mean, that's how you know. That's That's, that's where she is. Yeah, <laughs> but it's still still that running in the family. My, my most
1: interesting he never fact.
2: apologized, but he, oh, you got a good story to tell. You know, <laughs> but
1: that was his apology. Yeah,
2: but anyhow, um no, she loves him. But here's the thing: she is not a huge sports fan. So I'll be up in the press box and I'll be watching her. And she's reading something. I'm like, at halftime, I'm like, what are you reading? I'm oh, just shopping in a catalog or People magazine or something. That's Mid-court.
0: People would be excited to Thank be there you. to watch the game. Yeah. Maybe?
2: yeah. Mid-court, Rupp Arena. But she does a good job. Like other people, Sean Farnham from the, the SEC is one of her favorites.
1: Well, she doesn't get distracted either. True. That's <laughs> but, she can focus. Yeah.
2: But she's she is, being a teacher, she's got that tone in her voice. Where authoritative she authoritative when she lets yes, people know this exactly, is what I need done. Exactly right. Yeah.
0: That's right. Nice. All right. Well, this has been fun. Dick, I
1: believe I we knew were. you'd be an interesting one. Yeah. You fascinate me the more. I just get little nuggets. Well, from it's nice Dick. just getting Every to know people
0: and, and getting to, because, of the, you know, basically what I knew of Dick was our interactions and then, you know, what I knew of him on the radio and stuff. So mm hmm. Kind of nice to get to hear the back Someday
2: story. we'll open up to the closets, the skeleton closets here at KYT. <laughs> 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 A
1: Halloween edition. Yeah, I, I anticipate we'll talk w- to people KYT more than once. WKYT yeah. you, you are our
0: first, uh, you know, the first two episodes is just us talking to each other, which is easy enough, but, you know, talking to somebody else and, and letting them talk <laughs> All right, nice. let's see.
1: Do you want to nominate our next person? Because we don't really yeah. have any we, kind of process. Who do you think would have good stories?
0: Oh,
2: oh gosh. Who, who would I want to know more about? How about
0: Ken Harvner? That's what we said. Chief <laughs> photographer Ken Harvner. Chief I've photographer,
2: said that on my way who in here. Also had designs on a career in law enforcement. Did you know that? I, I did that. not. I not sure know did. that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he's still the only shooter who listens to. That means photographer Photographer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, <Yes>. yeah
1: <laughs> we need to be very specific. Yeah. He
2: listens to Scanner, yeah. Wow. So All right. But well, Kenny and I go way back. Yeah. You know, I mean, he started here maybe a year before I did. And he was the first photographer who who would, on the way back, like before we had a set sports shooter, he would shoot something for me, and he'd come back and he'd describe, and I'm sure he's done with you all, mm-hmm. he'll describe what he got. It helps so much when you're writing. Oh, my really gosh, does, you know, exactly. and, and when you're editing, you know, and I shot it this way, this way, and this way, so if you wanted to edit mm-hmm. it that way, you know, that kind of stuff, you know. That
1: right. was a great idea. Hi, how's it going? I like oh, that. sorry, all right. in public
0: room. All right. Well, I guess that wraps it up. Other people uh, need the room. I <laughs> so know. It's done. officially we're that's, that's done. What we called a hard out. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so As much, in Dick. Get out. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much. All right, Victor. What did you think? I feel like I know Dick pretty well already.
0: See, I didn't. So it was really interesting for me to hear all of that.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah. I knew he was going to be good, and I don't think he disappointed. Well, at all. he's
0: so used to talking on top of that. We we felt like we were newbies sitting here. Well, we were newbies he sitting does here radio. talking with a pro. Yeah, he has a radio so- show, so he's literally talking all the time. And, uh, yeah, so it was kind of interesting just to hear how he ended up.
1: We just made our lives easier.
0: We did. Let That's somebody, what it
1: was. Let's interview somebody who can do it all on his own. Which,
0: which we'll see how that works out next week when we're going to do our best to talk to Chief Photographer Ken Harbner. That's up.
1: right. See, this is one of the other things that I think people are going to really enjoy. they are going to get to hear from people who you don't know on the news. Yeah. But I will say most of the time. More people know Kenny when I go to stories because he's been doing this for so long. They they don't know me. And they know Ken's work. I
0: guarantee you if you watch the news tonight, you will see something Ken shot.
1: Absolutely. And he is honestly one of the nicest people I think I've ever met in my life. The first time I saw him, I said, he's got the kindest eyes. I've ever seen. He's a, like It's <laughs> like a Santa Claus twinkle in his eye. Well, he, and he doesn't disappoint. He, is, he, he is was that. one of the reasons
0: I was excited to come work here because I knew I'd be working with Kenny when I was a photographer at that other station. You know, I'd see Kenny out all the time. So I, I felt like, well, Kenny's there, so I think it'll be all right.
1: And I think I have a lot to learn about him.
0: All right. Well, we are I excited. Really we look excited. forward to that. Thank you all so much for listening.
1: Bye. <laughs>